Hello, and welcome to the Buildings Podcast, an Endeavor Business Media production. Join us on the first and third Monday of every month as we explore trending topics in the built environment. I'm Janelle Penny, Editor-in-Chief of Buildings Magazine, and today I'm here with Daniel Colombini, Principal of the New York City-based consulting engineering firm Goldman Copeland. Today we're going to talk about ways that commercial property owners can make sure they're ready for the upcoming transition to electric vehicles. Dan, thanks for joining me. Of course. Uh, Thanks for inviting me. Great to be here. So, not long ago, the Biden administration announced a proposal that would speed up the transition to electric vehicles dramatically by imposing new pollution standards for cars and trucks. What does that mean for drivers, and what does it mean for people who own commercial buildings? So, this is another another step uh, in the process of transitioning uh, the nation's um, existing transportation fleet to a more electrified um, a more electrified solution. Um, what does this mean for the everyday driver? It probably means that there's going to be more incentive to switch to electric vehicles. Um, there's been a number of uh, you know things that have been done uh, to try to push people into adopting EVs, uh, namely in the form of subsidies, and those have been modified somewhat in the Inflation Reduction Act and other initiatives by the Biden administration. Um, so as drivers, uh, you know, continue to look at that, um, they're going to see that electric vehicles will become more competitively priced. They may see um, that the range of electric vehicles continues to improve, which will sort of level the playing field a little bit more with internal combustion engine vehicles. Um, but there still remains a number of differences between the two. Uh, in in my opinion, electric vehicles have their have their place and clearly have their place in the market now, um, but uh, there's still a uh, there's still important applications that can only be done by internal combustion engines. Um, so what does this what is, what is what do these new initiatives mean? It means that there's going to be, um, you know, sort of an accelerated transition um, to a more electrified future in terms of uh, vehicle transportation. Um, and then in terms of uh, commercial property owners and, and managers and commercial buildings in general, um, they'll need to look at, well, well, what do we need to do to accommodate this transition? And more, almost as important as that is the when. And that's the hard part. The easy, the easy part is to say, okay, well, if everyone that drives to my commercial building is driving an electric vehicle, you know, figuring out how many car chargers you might need and how many electric vehicle charging stations you may need, that's sort of something that can be quantified. Um, and we'll talk a little more about that. Uh, the more difficult part of it is actually the when and when that needs to happen. Um, so, so what 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 do commercial properties, uh, you know, owners and managers need to look out for is, you know, what is the demand that's there? What, how does it affect the you know the um, um, whether people want to come to my building or not? Um, I'll give an example. I'm an electric vehicle owner. I'm also an internal combustion engine owner in our family. So, so we have a mix. Um, I, uh, we have a supermarket in my town. I don't go to that supermarket anymore because the supermarket in the next town has a high-speed level three um, electric vehicle charger. I charge my car while I do my grocery shopping now. So there's an incentive for me to go to a different location. And, and you are going to see that... Um, the convenience of having EV chargers is, is going to be increasingly important. 
Um, and, and so that's like the important thing to look out as a, as a commercial property owner manager is really uh, EV charging, uh, EV charging infrastructure and, and, you know, what kind of where and when and what quantity that needs to be in place. Generally, other things like there's, a, there's other things that, that people think about um, and there, there's probably um, a little bit of education that needs to go on here. Um, you know, electric vehicles are generally heavier than internal combustion engine vehicles. Um, so there's some people have concern about the structural integrity of, say, their parking garage. You know, it's generally not an issue um, if, if there's a good structure to begin with. Um, you know, your typical electric vehicle might weigh as much as a large SUV or a pickup truck. So, you know, typically parking structures are, are already designed to handle that. And then there's fire protection concerns. Everyone sees battery fires or electric vehicle fires in the news from time to time. Um, not to not to totally discount that as an issue, but there but those issues those instances are extremely rare. Um, and the the consensus so far in the fire protection community is that um, generally the the level of fire hazard is is comparable to that of internal combustion engine vehicles. Great. What are some tips you can offer people on dealing with the sudden acceleration of EV adoption? So, like I said, it's it's like we all we all kind of know we need to add um, locations for EV charging. It's really about the when, the where, and the quantity. Um, so, so if we think about you know commercial applications or otherwise, um, there will be an increased demand for EV chargers to be you know kind of everywhere. Um, you know, if your if your average EV only has a range of a couple hundred miles, um, and uh, you know, an internal combustion engine could be you know three times that in terms of its range, um, you're, you're talking about uh, interruptions in, in sort of the convenience of everyday life throughout the course of anyone's week. Uh, the more EV chargers that are around, the more convenient it is to own an electric vehicle. That's sort of what it comes down to in brass tacks. So, so really the important thing and the advice I would give to property owners and managers is, um, or, or, or developers for that matter, is having a finger on the pulse of demand for these things. Trying to observe when you're seeing more electric vehicles around, um, you know, the people using your facilities, what are they driving? How is that demographic changing? Um, and because you're, you're trying to have a feel for that demand. Um, before your your competition does, um, so so it's really, you know, from my perspective, it's an added value to the property, um, something that may may attract tenants, may attract customers. Um, so so it's really about keeping keeping your finger on the pulse in that respect. What are some ways that building owners and managers can make sure their existing buildings are ready for these increased charging needs? And how can you really predict who among your tenants' employees is going to switch to electric vehicles now or even in the near future? Right. So, um, you know, one thing would be to have the electrical infrastructure in place um, so that you have the flexibility to add vehicle chargers when you need to. Um, that's something that you might want to have studied or looked at now, even if you're not thinking about, you know, putting a bank of electric char uh, vehicle chargers in in the near future. Um, there can be substantial costs associated with this. There's sometimes not, you know, sometimes it's a relatively inexpensive thing to do. It very much depends on the existing electric service to a facility, 
what voltage of electric, you know, of electric power you have available, um, and the location of the EV chargers. You know, it could could require running uh, electric service underground, you know, throughout a parking lot, which can be extremely expensive, as opposed to you know adding some chargers along the outside of a building, which maybe is more, a more affordable undertaking. Um, so, you know, really, really planning this earlier will position you better, um, you know, to be able to implement this quickly and in a cost effective way. Great. What should you do if you don't think your existing charging infrastructure, if you have any at all, is adequate for your anticipated demand? How can you kind of get ahead of that? Yeah, you know, I, I forgot to uh, answer the second part of your previous question, which ties into this. And how do you how do you predict that demand, right? How do I know um, how much I need? You know, one one way obviously is just to observe um, and to sort of keep your finger on the pulse and be in touch with your constituency, for lack of a better term. Um, uh, you know, you can do surveys. Uh, you know, throughout your building, that's a great tool to use. Um, you know, but that that's really what it's about. It's about communication and trying to know what tenants are looking for um, or occupants or, or customers are looking for. Um, so it's about knowing, and th this varies, by the way, from like locality to locality. There's obviously some, you know, areas of the country that are adopting EVs faster than others, for example, which, you know, depends on all sorts of things, you know, from state level incentives to politics and, and whatever else. Um, so, you know, it's not an easy question to answer. It's not, there's not one uniform, well, if you have, you know, a hundred parking spaces, you should add 10 EV chargers. Like that answer doesn't exist. Um, it's more nuanced than that. Um, so one, one way to look at it is like, okay, how am I going to gauge this demand? Can I do surveys? Can, can I kind of keep an eye out and see what's going on? You know, like I've got 10 Teslas in the parking lot, so maybe we need to add some EV chargers here. That's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is, is sort of the supply side. And, okay, I, you know, look, looking at the existing electrical infrastructure for a facility and saying, all right, in a cost-effective way, I can add a couple of EV chargers um, in my parking lot. I can't add 10 of them, but I can add four of them. And maybe that, maybe you do that. And now you have that um, as an added value to your, to your property or facility. Um, another thing to consider is the different levels of EV chargers, um, which can be a little bit you know, murky in terms of understanding for some people. There are generally three levels of chargers that, are, that can be provided. Uh, level one chargers um, shouldn't really be considered for any kind of public or commercial application. They're essentially just plugging a uh, an EV, uh, an electric vehicle into a standard outlet. Level two chargers are most commonly used um, in homes and garages. They are, um, you know, a faster charging outlet, but not um, not what you would call uh, what is a level three or a fast charging um, EV charging station which requires higher voltage um, than is typically provided to a building. Um, and those are DC fast chargers. Um, those, those add the most value to a uh, commercial application or, or retail application. So, so a level three charger, fast charger, um, can, can uh, fully charge an electric vehicle in as fast as 30 minutes, that's optimistic, but as fast as 30 minutes. Um, 
which which in a retail application is great. You know, if you if you're if you're going to be able to say to customers, look, while you're doing your shopping here, you can fully charge your electric vehicle. That's a fantastic message to have out there. Whereas a level two charger, um, I'll give the example of my train station where I park and commute. Um, I use a level two charger at the train station and charges my car fully throughout the course of the whole day. Um, so depending on the parking application, who's parking there, how long they're going to park there for, that will inform what type of electric charger you're going to put in, what type of EV charger, um, which will also inform um, the required electrical infrastructure work that, that is needed to get that done. Um, so all these things kind of interplay. Uh, you know, I would encourage owners and operators um, to consider the demand side heavily, um, the sort of the customer side of it, the, the tenant side of it, but to also think about the supply side in terms of, you know, what am I reasonably able to do now or in the next five years as this uh, becomes more widespread? What are the factors that impact how people will approach installing more EV infrastructure? So obviously, um, how fast people are buying electric and using electric vehicles is going to be important. Um, and that continues to increase. It's, it's mostly limited by demand. I would honestly say the cost of EVs is the biggest factor here. Um, EVs have so far been substantially more expensive than internal combustion engine vehicles. There are not affordable EVs available widely now um, that I see as, you know, rolling out as like the Honda Accord or Toyota Camry of EVs at this moment. Um, the average price of an electrical vehicle is $60,000 or on that order of magnitude. So um, this is not um, where it needs to be to replace all of the car, you know, the, the everyday commuting in the United States yet. Um, that's improving. Costs are improving. Um, we're seeing more manufacturers in the game and, and producing different, you know, varieties of vehicles. Um, but I would say the cost is, is probably going to be the biggest driver, right? It always comes down to money in the end. Um, and by the way, the Biden initiatives um, affect that in a couple of different ways. Um, you know, there were expansions and extensions of subsidies on the federal level for EVs. But there were also limitations for those subsidies to um, primarily American-made cars and American-manufactured uh, batteries, which provides more limitations and also affects cost um, um, as it affects trade, you know, global trade in, in this arena. So uh, cost would be the biggest factor. Um, you know, adoption is also heavily dependent on range. Um, you know, EVs, I, I tell people, that if they have two cars, you know, family with two cars, that probably one of them could be an EV and you wouldn't see any change to the everyday convenience in your life. Um, I'll give the example of our family. We drive our EV, you know, day to day, pretty much doing everything we need to do. When we need to go on a long trip, the EV would require a substantial stop and recharge. Uh, if you're going on a vacation somewhere, you have to figure out where you're going to charge your car while you're on vacation, which is not so simple to do depending on where you're going. Um, so right now, uh, I would recommend to people, like if you have two cars, to look at uh, one EV and then maybe one traditional uh, combustion engine or plug-in hybrid. Uh, 
and people that, that maybe only have one car to think about a plug-in hybrid where you have the flexibility um, to utilize uh, you know, the benefits of an electric car, lower cost to operate, lower cost to maintain. But at the same time, when you need the car to go on a long trip, you still have the convenience of being able to operate as a combustion engine um, and get the extended range out of it. So, so sort of convenience and range is an important part of it um, and cost. Coming back to convenience and range, you know, I don't want to minimize EV charging. Like a lot of a lot of people that talk about EVs say, yeah, it's great. You just charge your car and it's not a problem. And it's we have to accept that when compared to the way we're used to driving and operating a car and owning a car, it is an inconvenience. OK, charging your car even for 30 minutes is an inconvenience, right? We fill up our tank of gas in five minutes and we're back on the road ready to drive 600 miles. That is not the case with an electric car. Um, so we need to accept that that is a limitation of the technology. It is improving. Um, not only is it improving, but, but people's habits are gonna adapt around it. Um, so that's all gonna happen. Um, but for now, there's still, there's still a good home for internal combustion engine vehicles. So, so like those are the things that we have to think about in terms of widespread adoption. Um, there's going to be the early adopters that go out there and want the newest technology and want to want to drive an EV around and don't mind stopping to charge it or even excited to stop and charge it. Um, you know, but the, we have to remember that the majority of Americans are not are not looking for that kind of inconvenience. And that's that's a hurdle for people to get over. So, you know, we have to recognize, um, you know, the barriers that there are to, tech, to the adoption of these technologies for for most people. Um, so that we can better like educate, uh, adapt behavior and, and, and make it work for everyone. So to wrap up, what would you say are the key takeaways you'd like people to remember from this podcast? So the important things, um, you know, really are, um, that this is not going to be a, uh, a linear um, and it's not going to be a, a necessarily rapid full transition to electric vehicles. This is going to be a, it will be a steady transition. It's going to happen. It's going to happen sort of slower than some people might like. Um, and that as, as someone managing a commercial property, whether it be retail or office space, um, to constantly assess or, or on a continuing basis to assess what you think the demand is. Okay. If you can, if you can figure out what you're capable of doing, um, in a cost effective manner for your facility, if you have that in your back pocket and then you're keeping an eye out and trying to keep your finger on the pulse of demand for electrical vehicle charging at your facility, you won't need to, you won't need to, to think and answer the question. The answer will be right in front of you. Um, because you'll know what you're capable of doing within some sort of budget you're comfortable with. And at the same time, you'll know what, what the demand is. So if you, if, you can, if you can have a handle on those two things, you'll be able to make the best decisions for you and your tenants and customers uh, going forward. Dan, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Um, really appreciate the conversation. And thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of The Buildings Podcast. Hit that subscribe button and join us again next time to hear another episode and check out the show notes on our website for extra resources related to this podcast. You can also stay up to date with buildings by following us on social media, visiting our website at buildings.com, 
and signing up for our newsletter, The Buildings Buzz, to keep up with all things buildings. We'll see you next time.